Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. I want to let you know about a treat we have for this episode and most upcoming episodes. You can now view the video recording of this episode on the Tiger Pops YouTube channel. So if you want to watch the host faces as we discuss the episode, you can head over to YouTube and search for Tiger Pops Podcast to enjoy. See you there! Okay, hi everyone and welcome to episode 51 of Tiger Pops. And today we are joined by Ajeline and Laura, who have both been on before, so they'll introduce themselves, but we're also going to be um, seeing who our least favorite character is. Now, not quite sure who the least favorite character is. Um, in terms of pure evilness, probably Charge, because uh, he seems to be psychopathic. It's really hard to pick a least favorite character. Okay, I also really don't like um, the guy who was just nasty to his mom. Um, Maybe he didn't murder people. Maybe he did. I don't know. But to talk to your brother that way is just the lowest of the low. Like, even, I'm pretty sure even murderers, like, like their families and, like, have some kind of filial connection. That's really bad if you talk to your brother that way. So that's not a least favorite character. <laughs> that's fair. Okay. That's oh, um, I'm Ajlene, and uh, I've been on here before. And uh, I run a Twitch channel called The Feminist Critique. Uh, there's also a podcast, which you can check out on Spotify and all of those, you know, podcast places. Um, and that's also called The Feminist Critique. And my least favorite character is probably Tora. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> least favorite Stop. character no Actually, um, like we're open-minded on this podcast but if you say that you're out goodbye <laughs> and done um no actually i would i would probably have to say mr uh mr lamb maybe i don't know i just like he's not a bad character i just don't find him interesting at all so but uh, like like most of the fans out there I'm just too focused on Tora and Poppy. Like, I don't care about it. And then, like, a little bit of Quincy. But everybody else um, besides... Because I, I kind of like Vincent, too. I know he's bad, but, like, <laughs> old man. Kind of love it. Anyways. He's not old. Hello. He's, like, maybe in his 40s. That's not old at all. I'm 31. 40s is totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm 32. So, <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Um, and I'm Laura. Uh, I guess my least favorite character is also Shart, um, just because he's so gross. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure, it's me. <laughs> yep. No words needed. Shart is gross. <laughs> yep. Okay, guys. So I am so excited to do episode 21 because I mean, I cut things every week, but we're entitled. We can repeat ourselves. This episode was amazing, and it has so much to discuss, and, like, so many details, and we are so excited, because, like, 
the last couple episodes were like very much more like emotional relationship focused, and this episode had a lot of plot. So yes, so excited. <laughs> it was and also Brittany. really funny too, which like like that little you know hints of uh, humor that Lily puts in. I just it really makes Midnight Poppyland <laughs> for me. Yeah, definitely. I was definitely like put down the phone to laugh a couple of times. It was really yeah. really funny. <laughs> yeah, also awesome. my notes. Ha 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 ha. Lol. Several times. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so we start out here. Last time, well, just a recap of last time. Tora goes to um, the office. Tora and Quincy. He intimidates the heck out of Jacob. Erdine doesn't like him right away. She tells Poppy so. Uh, no surprise, Tora sold her chips and ate her chips. <laughs> and we're left wondering, Poppy doesn't, Poppy like bites her lip. And we're left wondering if Poppy, I was wondering at least, is Poppy taking Erdine's words to heart? Is she second guessing herself and her own assessment of Tora? Or is she timid and just doesn't want to confront Erdine and say, you know, I disagree with you, Tora's a good guy. So, and I was really worried, like, is Poppy going to stand up for, for Tora and defend him? Because that's like, if she doesn't, how is he going to feel, you know? So, very proud of Poppy. She did a good job. So, we start out, um, you know, with Poppy's, like, lips again, you know, the timid look. And then we see Quincy's asking Tora, he's like, uh, hey, bro, what do you think this Tora whispered about? And which, by the way, like, when is it ever appropriate to whisper in front of people who are, like, two feet away from you? Nobody else is there. <laughs> Yeah, it seems a little weird that they're just over, like, whispering at each other when, like, Jacob, Tora, and Quincy are just standing there just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and they're, like, really close, too. So, whatever, it's fine. You know, they're, I think for the pop purposes, we'll let it slide. Yeah. I have had a copy version of What? Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> So anyway, and Tora at this point is looking down, you know, <clears throat> which I thought was an indication of like him being like, maybe either polite and like, oh, I'm trying not to notice, <laughs> pretend that I don't notice, or, um, you know, like being resentful and upset and like a little anxious about whether Poppy's going to defend him. It's another way I'd possibly read that. So, but he looks up after Quincy asks him and he is very perceptive and he says, that chick thinks I'm a douchebag and she's warning Shorty <laughs> to stay away from me. <laughs> but Shorty doesn't want to hurt her friend's feelings by telling her she's wrong about me. And Quincy Wright says, like, whoa, you're good at this shit. And, I'm, you know, we know Tora is very emotionally perceptive, but he did a great job. Like, he got it on the nail. Oh, yeah. And and he, he even says, he's like, though, technically, she isn't wrong, right? Yeah, so. And then the other part, like, uh, Quincy ends up saying, hey, what's the winning numbers for the next week's lottery? And he's like, that's easy. 1-800-GO-FUCK-YOURSELF. Um, <laughs> which which is fair, because, Quincy, you're, like, really rich. You don't need to win the lottery. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. And I wonder if, like you were saying earlier, Mindy, like, it's rude to whisper in front of people like that, especially when they're so close um so i wonder if quincy's just talking in his normal voice because he's not he wasn't drawn in like the whisper bubble it's like the regular speech bubble so he's 
they're just talking because it's rude to whispers. They're like, hello, ladies. It's, it's rude to whispers. <laughs> they're just like openly <laughs> speculating in front of them. Yeah, I like that. I think so. I mean, I'm curious if like, is that, you know, just for like, you know, being direct? Like, is it, is he always direct? I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I definitely think he's like giving them an admonition there. It's <laughs> horrible. <laughs> so they're like, oh, sorry. So actually, I think the fact that Erdine's like, oh, sorry, just discussing some office regulations means that they were talking in normal tones and they realized that they were like, no, faux pas over there. So Pops, it's your turn for introductions. And Popsy is still in that like a little bit defensive, shrinking into herself posture. You know, her hands are in her pockets. She's, um, you know, Erdine has her hands on her shoulders also, which is like a little bit of like kind of a bossy thing, you know, okay, Poppy, your turn, you're gonna, you know, um, Daryl last week said that Erdine reminded her of like a bossy older sister. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. I've been, I'm the bossy older sister. So like, I, I get it. It's probably another reason why I really to Erdine so much. But um, I actually bought a, the Webtoon Town has like the audition thing now, right? So I bought a wave for Erdine because I wanted to, of all the characters, I relate to Erdine the most as, a, as myself. And I bought an Erdine wave and I was thinking, oh, like, oh, should I wear your Erdine wave tonight? But I was like, no, I'll sip it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Y'all will see that soon. Awesome. That's going to be awesome. Protective um, move. Erdine has her her arm on Poppy. Like she wants to protect her. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I feel like maybe she's like a little bit of, um, I guess, a mentor, right? Especially in the office with Poppy being somewhat new, and I don't know how long um, Erdine has been there, but I mean you know, maybe it is that sort of, because they seem to be, like, really close uh, friends, and with Poppy being so new to the city, you know, it's it's hard to make friends when you're new in a city. <laughs> no, um, never found it hard to make friends, but <laughs> I'm, I'm an introvert, so. I'm an extrovert, yes, but actually, we're speaking about introverts a little bit later. <laughs> So Poppy is like, hi, I'm Poppy Quince's new editor, <laughs> and she waves, and Jacob gives her like this, what, look, and Torah has this fantastic look where so many people love me, he's like, are you effing kidding me? And he's whispering this to her. Now Quincy in the background, <laughs> oh my gosh, we love you, Lily, because you're hilarious. He's taking notes. He's like, secret office, try, try stress, I don't know, with Frankie, but probably Douchebag got my gosh. <laughs> I love Quincy. I every time every time he appears, I just love him more and more. I don't know. I think we might all be crushing over Quincy and Senator at the end. He's just so cute. <laughs> he's just he's so dramatic and flamboyant about stuff. And it's almost like um Okay, so has anybody watched in? Well, I'm sure a lot of people have uh, interview with a vampire, right? I recently watched it, and Lestat is dramatic, and he, like, he's super problematic. Do not get me wrong, but I feel like maybe Quincy is like that sort of level of dramatics, like just <laughs> like over the top, and I love it. Yep. I also love that he carries a notebook around with him. <laughs> he can just jot ideas down whenever the inspiration strikes. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a writer. <laughs> and I think, you know, um, a lot of us have this theory. Uh, Earthman mentioned or, or 
that before that, Midnight Populin could be one of Quincy's romance novels, like the whole thing was just his novel. So here we have him take like meta novel within a novel. The <laughs> 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 so Torah's like basically what the heck, like why <clears throat> are you pretending you don't know me? And like you don't have to introduce yourself, like, I know who you are, like this is ridiculous. And she's like, just play along. Which okay, and she has a purpose for this. So Torah's like this giver gives her this very skeptical look, kind of like still angry. But he does. He just like rolls his eyes and admits defeat and he just goes along with her, which is cute and like to me shows the level of trust that he has in her and he's willing to go along with her. And you know, it's a level of like their shows their his commitment to her and his relationship with her. And she's like, I love his expression by the way, it's also one of the many hilarious moments. He's like yeah. <laughs> well, it even has like the little line with the like little squiggle at the end, uh, which is like essentially just anime for a sigh of like, fine, I'll just do <laughs> the thing. Yeah, I like that. Really special anime speak, right? You can read it. There, there really is like a lot of it in Midnight Poppyland where like comic artists use very similar. Uh, like different lines and, uh, and and that's just one of them that like you see in all of them yeah so. I didn't know them all at first like um, I remember somebody in the podcast told you know was the one who showed me like the vein popping out line like I didn't get that that was the vein popping out symbol and like the um spiky stuff coming out of people's shoulders <laughs> that was another like you know like uh, like alarm or something so I needed something believable. So Oh yeah. And if you ever see the ones where it's like lines down the face, like here or whatever, uh sometimes it can be a blush if it's on both sides. Uh, but sometimes it's like uh like <gasps> like a shocked sort of or like a nervous sweating thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Right? Everything has its own language. So <laughs> Hoppy whispers, you know, her plan. I don't know how well put that was. She's like, CRTs return my dreams. I don't think he's that bad after all. Just like Patty was saying, just like, um, doesn't take that much for a guy to return your greeting. Doesn't indicate anything about how nice he is. Mm-hmm. But um, Abby's like, okay, so I might be too quick to judge. And meanwhile, Quincy is still writing away in the office supply closet. So good. Which I'll let you guys say why that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because, like, he's already writing a story about these two, like, that they're going to have a tryst in the, in the office, you know, supply closet, and it's, like, Quincy, <laughs> like, you know, but it's well, funny. Also, um, a Patreon shout-out, a couple episodes ago, someone, um, when they first, when Lily first introduced Tora in Poppy's office at all someone was like oh I hope they have a makeout session in the office supply closet and Lily was like the office supply closet (laughs) so So it delighted me to no end that she included in this chapter oh yeah she absolutely reads all the comments and like she doesn't say it uh, like reply to each uh one of them which like totally fair uh but like she reads them and like she puts it in there as like you know a little wink and nod and Oh no, we froze. Oh, we're back. Hopefully. Are you are we good? Okay, yeah. A little wink and a nod. Yep, that's all I said. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. 
I think a lot of people beyond like the Patreon also on Facebook, definitely people were like, Office Supply Closet, they gotta go to the Office Supply Closet. I think people <laughs> even drew like fan art in the Office Supply Closet. There's really? fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I've been much more like, better or for worse, I've been reading a lot. I've been like very reading all the fan fiction, like all the fan art. So meaning instead of doing things that I should be doing, like money for jobs. But anyway. <laughs> so it's my job. I'm still there. <laughs> so, anywho, it's getting adorable. And Erdine says, but didn't you feel that scary dark aura he gave off? Which is kind of, I think, a throwback that you know what Vincent also talks, you know, says about Torah. And she says, he scares me and I'm rarely scared of anyone. So it gives us a more of an explanation for her behavior last episode where she was really dead set against Torah. And I mean, I understood when it generated a lot of discussion and anger, and even Becca and I understood her. I felt she was triggered. And, um, you know, she's just explaining herself more. So mm-hmm. fair. He is scary. <laughs> and thinking about it, um, Poppy had the same reaction to him when she first met him, too, at the train station, way back in whatever, chapter one or two or whatever. Like, she wanted to avoid him. She yeah. also got that feeling. So, I mean, Poppy right. can get it. She can understand. They even felt like a cold air in the train station, which I'm like, how does that even work? Have you ever felt like someone passed by and they feel like it's cold? Uh, yeah. Like, or if you like meet the eyes of somebody, whether it's like the train or, or whatever bus or just on the streets and you just kind of get like that chill of like, uh, or chill of like, okay, not going to go near that person. Bye. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to be on the lookout for it. I don't remember having it, but I think it's interesting, like, how does our emotional experience affect our physical reality, you know? It's so interesting that that can happen. And I believe that can happen. I do think, you know, yeah. we get we get angry, we get hot, or, you know, things like that. Cool. Okay. So, or Dean's like, and who's Saturn you want anyway? You don't even know the guy. Which is, I find it interesting that she was, like, you know, pitted it as a, like, me versus him thing right away. Like, you know, why does she always have to agree with you or team? Like, I didn't get that. And yeah, I wonder about that too. He's kind of high schoolish, um, right? Or maybe she felt personally attacked that probably wasn't immediately agreeing with her. But that also seems high schoolish, <laughs> right? No, or maybe Erdine. Erdine has a really strong personality, um, and Poppy usually. From my impression, from what we've seen in the, the comics so far, she seems like a pretty easygoing gal with Erdine. And so maybe Erdine is like bristling at the fact that Poppy isn't on her side about this, on her side. Yeah, that makes sense too. Um, which is why I really like her reaction because she is able to stand up for herself. She looks nervous and she's sweating while she does it. And I totally understand because I might be very loud and overpowering and social, but I don't like confrontation at all. And it's so hard for me to speak up and disagree, especially, like I said last time, especially people that I like. Like, I don't really argue with people in general, but like, I can, with people that I respect and love, like, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see why Poppy is having a hard time. But good for her. She does stand up and she says, I'll always be on your side. Always come and go, but a sister is for life. Which I'm like, what plan? I don't know. I choose my husband over my friends any day, just saying. Not that I have to, but and I, I hope, I think that would be very unhealthy if I did have to, 
But like, my husband is like my number one. But anyway, I get it until you find like the one that you know for sure, then yeah, then they do come and go. But she said, but then she said it up for herself. She's like, but he's really not like that. He's rough around the edges, but he's a good guy. And you'll have to trust me on this one. Which again, she's telling her team, you know, she's really directly telling her, you'll have to trust me. Like, go with that. We can't always go by what you perceive. Like, I know when I trust my opinion. Yeah. I, and this is a part where, like, Ardeen just, like, like stares into her soul almost with those big blue eyes as if she just suddenly it clicked and she's like, ah, you've already met him before, haven't you? And of course, Poppy's like, uh, I'm so- yeah, I'm sorry. It's a long story. I wasn't ready to tell you. And like, I don't know, this part's just hilarious because it's like, okay, you you got some explaining to do, you little minx. And it's like, <laughs> you guys fuck already? And it's like, oh, Ardeen, come on. Like, I know you're best friends, but like, that's a rude question. (laughs) I don't know. But then again, like, I've had friends where like, they've had, you know, they ask that where they're like, have you had sex yet? And you're like, uh. Yeah. So remember I said, I'm like, Ardeen, I would ask this question. (laughs) on purpose to be dramatic and over the top because because I think it's funny and because I'm curious but also because it's funny <laughs> so, <clears throat> so yes I'm very master of inappropriate and basic questions which is <laughs> by the way I wanted to be a psychologist originally and I definitely know because I was curious about people's lives I'm like tell me your emotions all of it I want to hear <laughs> Um, and Lily also does a really good job of like using the visual parts of the comic to um, portray different emotional beats. So in this frame, um, the background changes to that like light yellow, um, which to me signifies that like the, the tension has kind of broken. It's not it's not as tense anymore. Um, kind of at Poppy's expense, but <laughs> they're not. She's not like they're not mad at each other. Mm-hmm. That's so perceptive. Like. I kind of, like, we probably noticed it subconsciously, but I didn't register. And it's so cool. love that. And I, now I notice that in the next panel, like, when Quincy slams the, the book shut, it's teal. So, you know, also not a color that's actually in the office. So cool. <laughs> I really like um, how Quincy um, is, he's like, okay, enough whispering, enough awkwardness. <laughs> I'm just going to make this really loud noise. Anyway... Right. Yeah, and that is a Quincy thing, right? He doesn't like to have uncomfortable things. He likes to move on and smooth things over. But before we do go on with that, with that, um, you so probably said something interesting. She's like, "Oh God, no! This is why," I, and she blushes and whatever, right? She's like, "This is why I can't tell you anything. Stop being so lewd." And I, you know, sometimes people say things without understanding what they're saying. It they just word it out. Poppy is telling us and Ardeen that she keeps things from her because she doesn't trust her in a way, right? And, you know, probably because her dean is, you know, like, pushy and aggressive and loud and whatever. And maybe, you know, I can see why Poppy holds herself back a little bit with her dean because she may not trust her with, like, her deepest feelings and secrets. Or maybe it's not so much that she doesn't trust her, she just is uncomfortable because then she'll know her dean will, will push her on stuff. And in previous episodes of this podcast, people were talking about, like, why would Poppy go to Jacob instead of Erdine? Like, when when Poppy asked Jacob to watch her and Torah on the webcam secretly, 
Um, so I guess Poppy's telling us right now why she asked Jacob instead of Rudine. Yeah. She would have been teased mercilessly probably the next day by Rudine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Rudine would have been like Facebook stalking him. She would have been like outside his house. She would have like come up. <laughs> I'm quoting things that I did, by the way, I'm just saying. <laughs> she would have been like coming up with excuses for like to interact with Torah. <laughs> I'll tell you my worst stalking story ever. Worst slash best, actually. <laughs> okay, do you want to hear it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So this was, uh, it was a long time ago. So like, whatever. I was like 19. And this was, I was, in, I was in school with a bunch of girls and one of our friends was going out on a date with a guy. So me and this, her, her other friends decided, she, knew she told us where she was going and what time she was going, you know, because that's what you tell friends, right? So we show up while they're inside, you know, we scope them out, we see them there, we walk inside and we walk in, up to their table and we're like, oh, hi, you know, we're just checking out the restaurant. We want to ask like, how's the restaurant? And our friend is like, giving us this look and she doesn't say a word and the guy does not realize that no you know no idea what's going on he's like oh yeah it's great and we had this and it was good i was like oh yeah what about dessert did you have dessert yet yeah we had this this is fantastic has the service and the service is great but like just having this whole extensive conversation with him like thank you so much goodbye (laughs) and here we did it i'm very proud of that moment So yes, Irvine would be doing that to Poppy. She would be like stalking on other dates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, I should feel shame, but I don't. <laughs> so no, you were just looking out for your friend. You know, you don't know this guy. I'm sure. Oh, well, we were like <laughs> entertaining ourselves, really. But okay. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> We have to, yeah, we were happy we were getting a read on him. He, we, you know, we now know that he interacts fine with strangers. He's helpful. We give him restaurant reviews. He's <laughs> <laughs> not with him, by the way, just so you know. It's like 12 oh, okay. Ago. So, yeah. No, they didn't go on to get married. That didn't <laughs> no. happen. We had nothing to do with it. It wasn't our intervention, okay? It wasn't meant to be. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> very long break digression. So, Quincy spends his bookshop. He's like, anyway, sure, I hope you have some time to stay over there. And by the way, um, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Patty who was like noticing his amazing arms. I'm, I'm bringing my arms up as though they have half the muscle that Torres has, uh, that the Quincy has. Anyway, he's got amazing arms. Just, just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, like Quincy's fucking built. <laughs> like, you, you don't think, you don't, like, because he's so like goofy almost like you don't realize how built he is until like you see stuff like this and like you know him in the bathroom like damn like he fucking works out like mm-hmm. obviously a lot he takes care of himself yeah he has to if he has to on the fly pick up torah <laughs> like the stairs that's true that's true yeah. Like, by the way, every time I work out, I think of, like, Torah. I don't think of Quincy yet, but I usually think of Torah. I'm like, I want to be like Torah. You know, push up. I want to be like Torah. Push up. I'm going to do this. You know? <laughs> I get it in my head. Like, you know, we're all lusting after Torah. And I'm not saying I want people to lust after me like that, because I don't think people do that to what they do and admire their muscles necessarily. And it doesn't show, like, in the comment. But, like, I'll know if I feel like Torah. I'll feel great. So, okay. so Quincy has this brilliant idea. This is Quincy. He's like, let's go shopping for your party clothes for the birthday party. <laughs> and we had somebody who posted this fantastic meme of like 
for it in like a crown and like a royal cake and it's like here's your birthday pose (laughs) (laughs) but like the look on Tara's face is like absolute shock and like just like what are you talking about oh my gosh and then he zooms in and he's like birthday party (laughs) and And then yeah it gets all dark around him as panic sets in oh yeah we have an even closer zoomed up let's all like go into our webcams he's like what birthday party (laughs) (laughs) now this poor guy and it says an introvert's greatest nightmare so we have confirmation that he is an introvert and a shout out to all the introverts out there who hate parties poor fellas (laughs) like even the script is like panic script it's not normal script Poor Tora still is heartbeating. Like, he can handle Vincent, like, threatening him with a club. He can handle people, like, shooting him. He can handle, like, like birthday parties. <laughs> yeah. All that attention on him. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, like, what birthday party? Your joint birthday party? My birthday party? Fuck no. Like, no. It's great. <laughs> he, like, immediately refuses and then um and then Quincy ends up telling uh, him that it's actually like the joint birthday party with Poppy and that face changes no right away uh, so Billy's like a master at body language because like he looks over and you see his eyes are wide his jaw is not so tense anymore he, he's giving him a look of like considering it like suddenly he's, he goes from closed and angry to open and thoughtful amazing she's so good at like drawing expressions Oh, yeah. And and Quincy's like, of course, he's giving you know more reason. He's like, I think she should have a smashing one, given that it was her twenty fifth birthday. And some people made jokes about smashing, like, what kind of smashing, Quincy? In the you write about in an office supply closet, apparently. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, oh, gosh. I love these jokes. There's so many great jokes. <laughs> and. He's like, she's really excited with the idea, but she's too shy to do it alone. So when I was reading this, I was like, actually, Quincy, I don't know, because at last time, I thought Poppy's expression signaled that she wasn't interested. And I was like, Quincy, she didn't say anything like yay or nay about the birthday party. Like, you're just totally steamrolling, inferring, and jumping to conclusions, and all these great things. And, but I was surprised, because now we see, you know, she's like, he's like, oh, I suggest only a joke mine. <clears throat> I was surprised about the reaction. Um, and Tora, you know, first he's like, well, mine and hers. Quincy, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Quincy is scheming here. And I think <laughs> this is something that he's been thinking of for a while. As soon as he found out, like, these two were interested in one another. Like, you, like I... I almost like knew that something was going to happen that pot uh, that Quincy was going to be like a little matchmaker. Yeah. So as, as soon as like, like last chapter, I was just like, Oh, he's scheming. He's going to do, he's bringing these two together. It's happening. <laughs> yep. I think we dubbed like Quincy, all of us, because like, well, we would do the same thing. Like, whatever, mm-hmm. put them together by any means possible. <laughs> Lie, yeah, jump to conclusions, steamroll, just do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you are really good. What? Quincy's really good at um, making it seem like natural and innocent. Because Quincy knows Tora well enough to know that Tora would not want a birthday party in his honor. Um, but he also knows that he, Tora wouldn't say no if it was a joint birthday party with Poppy, especially knowing that Poppy's too shy to do it by herself, but she's really excited about the idea. <laughs> Quincy, he's such a master manipulator. Oh well, yeah, because, like, his first plan of getting them, like, you know, together was, like, at the restaurant, right? And then, like, that didn't really pan out probably the way that he wanted so that's why he's like, ah, a second opportunity. Yeah, third. He sent Poppy over to uh to Oh yeah. Food. He's like, no, I can't order DoorDash. Poppy, you must be a personal chef. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And so here I, I was totally surprised. Poppy is excited. The background changes to pink. Oh my gosh, Laura, thank you. Thank you for now we now we see it. And she's like, yes. Flower, flower, not done. <laughs> I was totally surprised. I thought she didn't want a party, um, but she does. And like she has yellow flowers, and Tora is looking at her, and he first has his hands on his hips, and it's like resistance. And the next picture, melting. <laughs> um, he's like, first, I was a little bit. He's like, basically, what's running through his head is like, my darling puppy wants a party. <laughs> and then, and then this, this part, I. I love it. He's like, I got party clothes. And like Quincy shuts that down. He's like, how about no? <laughs> I love it. I love that Tora's, Tora's way of agreeing to the party is saying he doesn't want to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> and the color of the background changes too. Like he still has his hands on his hips, but he's obviously softened. He's like, okay, fine. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's like, I think he's, he's not even saying yes, right? He's doing it in a roundabout way. He's like, well, like, that part of the clothes. So he's not willing to like verbally say yes, Quincy, like, I'll go along with your harebrained idea, but he's, he's showing that he agrees. <laughs> and Quincy is like, how about now? Because, boy, your party clothes, your idea of that, uh huh. And he's like, because oh, he, he wants to go in his like, clan uniform which don't get me wrong he looks amazing in that but it's also his uniform <laughs> that would be like going to like I'm trying to think of like a uniform that like if you worked at like a pharmacy and you're like I'm gonna just go in my uniform or or if you worked at a restaurant where they had like a bow tie and you're like well this is fine enough I'm just gonna <laughs> go in this <laughs> Oh, you gotta it. have special clothes for a party okay you can't just wear you have to buy a new outfit if it's gonna be a big party about <laughs> you obviously yeah and one thing that's cute because he's like i don't care how good you think you look at it which makes me think like the store is standing around because his apartment looking at himself in the mirror he's like dude i look good in this <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's so> <laughs> that's funny um also this part is where jacob is uh like hey uh can i can i join you guys if tora doesn't mind and like tora freaking like says yeah he needs him more than uh me and jacob's like hey no clothes shaming what the fuck dude (laughs) like let me have my plaid shirt i look good 
It's cute. It's, it goes with his look. It's like the nerdy cute boy, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's his look. Exactly. He has like square glasses, open shirt. It's cute. It goes with yeah. him, you know? And he, he just wants to hang out with a Greek god. Or Greek <laughs> gods, I guess. Yeah. And by the way, he stood up to Torah. He was like, no quotes you, right? That's good for him. He stood up to Torah. Exactly. He had some courage. Exactly. <laughs> I yeah, I was really surprised by Jacob. I was surprised one that he felt comfortable enough to like want to go, and two that he wanted to go in the first place. He just met Torah and Quincy. <laughs> right. He's looking was, for some male like, friends to hang out with. Okay. <laughs> right. I feel like it was a little bit like it might be a little bit you know because like it's so cute that we have to put it in you know like maybe is it a hundred percent natural? Mm-hmm. But I don't care because it's going to be adorable. <laughs> it is, and maybe he feels. I don't know, maybe you could see that Torah was softening so he felt more comfortable. Right. The other thing, too, that I really like, because you find in a lot of these stories, it's always the um, the girls that go out shopping with one another and have, like, a little makeover session sort of deal. But pa- Lily isn't doing that. She's doing that with, like, the male characters and I'm all for it. I think that's great. I want a shopping montage where Tora's in like the worst ugly, like your grandpa's uh, <laughs> like old 1970s suit where it's like, you know, uh, sky blue or whatever. I want to see him in that. It's going to look hideous, but I want to <laughs> see that. Anyways, what I'm saying is, Lily, if you're listening, please put that into the shopping montage <laughs> as a wink and nod to me personally. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It should, it should be like a montage of like a million outfits. Like, can Torah ever look bad? A question for the fandom. <laughs> you know? like, nah, whatever he's wearing. Good enough. I don't care if it is from the 70s. Grandpa, yeah. like, I just like thinking of like that ruffle. Like, I don't know. Oh my God. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> ruffles. Oh, oh yeah. 100%. The velvet, like velvet jacket, like gold buttons, like anchors on them. Are you basically telling me that that Quincy would dress up like Lestat from Vampire? Yeah, right, right. The vampire? I, I probably subconsciously thought of yeah. that. I, as soon as he said like movies. Ruffles, I'm like, oh, yeah, he'd look good as a vampire. Yeah. Well, hmm. he doesn't have dark hair, but well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Quincy. Okay. Damn it, come up. <laughs> so. <laughs> Torah being a jerky man, by the way, where, where, you know, if we want to take an honest look at Torah, by the way, like, we do have to admit he's a little bit of an obnoxious guy, you know, so, mm-hmm. with a big at Jacob. So, anywho, um, so Ertie's like, oh, so he's the birthday boy. You okay with that, Pops? And then she says, it looks like Jacob finally found his tribe. <clears throat> and I think, is Pops saying I'm pretty comfortable with that, with Jacob finding his tribe? Because I wasn't quite sure what she was responding to with that. Uh, to Erdine's first question. So he's a birthday boy. You okay with that, Pops? I'm pretty okay. comfortable with that. I see. I see. Right. Better him than a total stranger. Like I thought it would be. Oh, okay. That's true. Oh my gosh. Right. Imagine like Poppy being forced into a birthday party with a total stranger. <laughs> that would be just weird. But um, I also like this side conversation that we see where it's like, don't worry, Jacob, I got you. And it's like, fine, maybe I'll get some new kicks. And then they're like, get, uh, oh, shoot, Gio? Gio? I think um, uh, 
uh, Emery Zolan Creek sent me this, she found this website where it tells you how to pronounce stuff, like in the native language. And apparently it's Guyu. Oh, okay. And Guyu means cow. Oh. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, uh, I think this is Quincy saying, but he, he's got coupons, apparently, <laughs> so. Yeah, I was wondering about the side conversation. I think it's Quincy Jacob Quincy. Don't worry, Jacob, I got you. That's Quincy. And then fine, maybe I'll grab some new kicks. That's I think, it's, I think it's Tora, where he's like, that's fine, I'm getting oh. clothes. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's definitely like a Tora way of saying clothes. Like, he would say new kicks. I can see that. Okay. Okay, yeah, I was assuming shoes. Um, okay, and then... And then Quincy again, get you, bro. I got coupons. Yeah, he's also responding to Torah. Like, it would make sense. If it was Jacob, like, he wouldn't okay. respond to him like that way. Mm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and do you remember um, in the conversation with, like, Quincy's angels where they're talking about, like, constipation tea? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, I got 40% off coupons. And we originally thought, well, that's nice. You know, like, he recognizes that he doesn't have as much money as he does. But maybe he's just that rich guy who, like, coupons everything, <laughs> you know? Because he has enough time on his hands to find coupons, you know? <laughs> I feel like uh, Quincy's the type of dude that, like, buys his friend's stuff as, like, you know, a fun treat sort of deal, so. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's so cute. And I like it how, like, you, you said, like, in the beginning, now it's the bro outing is getting even bigger. And, you know, I, I do, whether or not it's, like, you know, realistic that Jacob would like want to join people he doesn't really know. First of all, maybe he's lonely. Maybe he doesn't really have any kind of friends, and he's just latching on to like the first opportunity that he gets. And also, um, and maybe right that could explain her team saying Jacob finally found his tribe. Maybe that's her understanding that he didn't have one before. That'd be nice. But also, like I love this theme of male friendship. You know, these characters, especially like Torah and Quincy, have had such an unhealthy upbringing and such a distorted upbringing. Like. How, you know, were they able to be friends with anybody in a normal fashion? They really only have, like, each other, as far as mm-hmm. we know. Like, they don't see of other friendships. And it's been with the, their interactions have been just with clan people. So for them to have healthy, you know, male friendships, where they can just be and be normal people and not have, like, the stresses of their clan life, I think it's wonderful. And I'm very happy to see that. Like, it's just a good, healthy sign. Me too. It's, uh... It's really cool to see, and it kind of, like, in the next panel, you can kind of see that uh, they're bringing in, you know, um, like, you can see that it's uh, Tora saying it, because he's the only one who calls uh, him Bronzo, right? And he's just like, hey, we're picking you up, we're going shopping. (laughs) Get in, we're going shopping. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, and bring your damn wallet along for fuck's sake. Which I'm wondering, like, did he once not bring his wallet along? Does he, like, always expect Quincy to pay? Like, what's that comment? Did he forget <laughs> stuff? Is he forgetful? I don't, David doesn't strike me as an irresponsible type. If he works at so many places, like, I have a feeling he, is, he seems responsible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're going shopping that day, by the way. She's like, that's fast. <laughs> you know? yeah. Maybe they don't have much else to do, right? So <laughs> do it now. Um, and then we see that, like, um, Erdine is uh, saying, like, hey, I hope that you're excited about this party. That's the one thing you, you can check off your bucket list. And it's like, interesting. Poppy really does want this. Yes. 
And she says, or Dean tells us, remember, you told us when Mirabelle today came over to visit, which is so cute, the tie-in. So, like, I still don't know if they're her cousins or her friends. Like, I don't think we have clarification on that. <laughs> we know they're with Granny, so, so we, I don't know what they are. But anyway, she's like, well, you were in a drunken stupor, but still. And I was like, well, yeah, I got so drunk that night, but that's a, a real secret wish of mine. Uh-huh. And just so nice. Like, I did not know that. Like, I was, not only did she want it, like, it was a bucket list kind of thing. And now we have a flashback to this adorable scene of, like, all of them knockout drunk, sitting on the floor of Poppy's apartment with a beautiful Marin, you know, in the background. And then, and, like, <laughs> one of them is drinking, like, Poppy has a glass, one of them is drinking straight from a bottle, of course. <laughs> <laughs> They're flush. The faces are flush. Poppy's scara is, like, totally leaking. And she says, if I ever break up successfully with jewelry one thing, I want to be a, a party princess in Narin City. And their words are all slurred and everything. And Patty noticed something interesting in that. Like, already then, she was recognizing that her relationship with Julie was not good and that, like, she was trying to break it up, you know? Like, she really tried to break it up before, but just didn't do it because she, like, if they ever break up successfully, which is, you know... Um, in a way, it's affirming because, like, the Poppy knew that it was wrong, and it, it also makes sense that she would be ready to move on faster if she already knew that there was something wrong with the relationship. You know, um, one of my first, one of my initial like objections, I guess, was when Poppy, um, after she broke up with Shirley or was cheating, like I didn't see any reaction from her for a long time. I was like, shouldn't she be processing this? And but this, uh, you know, besides for what we learned about Poppy being kind of like suffering emotions away, this is also nice to know that like she wouldn't really be that heartbroken and she would come to the realization fast like she's better off without it because she already was thinking about it. Yeah, it's sad that she felt so stuck with him. Like, like you said, she had a hard time breaking up with him. I don't know how many times she tried to break up with him, but she just felt so stuck. Yeah. I can so see him like gaslighting her right back into it. Oh, but baby, I'm like, why would you want to break up with me? Oh, that's just some nonsense you have in your head. Like, oh, you're being silly again. I would like to change my worst uh, <laughs> character the most. Uh, it's Jerry. Like, fuck him. <laughs> He's the worst. Yeah, least favorite character. Zero okay. to ten. <laughs> Got it. Least favorite character changed. Accepted in the record. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then she tells me, she continues, she's like, I want to have a party thrown in my honor before I kick the bucket, Okay. That's serious. If she's talking about kicking the bucket, like she's really thinking about, um, <clears throat> you know, like, am I ever going to have a partner? And <clears throat> I think um, Darla said that she recently threw herself like a, a party, recently or at some point, sorry, threw herself a party um, to celebrate herself. And she said like she felt like she never celebrated herself and it was like a very big gift to herself that she threw herself a big party. So, you know, Poppy is somebody who is somebody, like, who does things for other people and doesn't really demand things for herself. So the fact that she really wanted this, I think, is, like, her letting herself want something for herself and want to be, like, the center of attention, right? She says, um, I want to be a party princess, and that's cute, you know? Like, a lot of people, like, my brother's getting married now, right, uh, this week, and, um, like, we were talking about shopping for parties. I was, like, I was so happy that I found something to wear in, like, five minutes or less. I borrowed from a friend. <laughs> but, because um, I hate shopping and that. But, like, so many people, and I totally get it. I just happen not to be that my friend. So many people love to be, like, a party princess. You know, you put on a gown, you feel great, and you put on makeup, and you look, you know, like, you finally, like, give yourself attention and you can for yourself. So, like, that's, you know, we get it, Poppy. Like, it's, 
it's a legit real feeling and especially from someone who doesn't give herself attention you know, as much as she could <laughs> Uh, as somebody who loves getting attention, whether it's good or bad, uh, I relate with this a lot because attention is fun sometimes. Um, and like the idea of being a party princess where like um, she gets to wear like this beautiful outfit and, you know, just have a party that's like all about her and also the guy that she really likes, you know, it's, they're going to be I, I can't wait to see what the outfit is. I know it's going to be adorable, and I cannot wait. Yeah, we had so many amazing, um, like, fan artists draw, like, party, um, copy and party dresses. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's, like, really excited about that idea. Seeing I wonder if they're going to, uh, if Lily's going to put a crown on her. Like, I, I mean, like, she's only 21. And, like, I think at that age, I think any age you can get away <laughs> with wearing a crown personally. As somebody who has a big-ass crown. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> like, I, crown, I love that, Angeline. I do. Well, Don't wear it. Angeline, if it's nearby, please, you can put it on. No, it's um, upstairs. No, I, I do. I, I It's because I won a pageant uh, a year ago. Oh, so cool. uh, yeah, I want a drag pageant. So, yeah, so cool. yeah. So I'm uh, I'm officially Miss Fallfest from last <laughs> year, uh, and and it's funny too because I um I I did a whole mix about Persephone that was kind of based off of Lore Olympus, um, and of course I don't have any video about it, so it might as well not even exist. But I'm eventually going to redo it at the end of this month. So I'm going to get somebody to record it. And, wow. Uh, yeah. I'm going to share it somewhere. Awesome. I don't read Laura Olympus, So like, I don't feel like I don't know, <laughs> understand as much. But that's so cool. Uh, that's, what, that's what really got me into Webtoon was Laura Olympus. And then, uh, and then Midnight Populin was probably like the second or third one that I read. That I was like, this one. Yeah. I actually um, I tried Laura Lucas and I didn't like it right away. But I will say, I, I've since I was a kid, I've been dead set against Greek myths. I couldn't stand the idea that these nasty, jealous, violent people were being portrayed as gods. So I never liked anything Greek gods. But um, I should give it another chance because I know so many people love it. And there have been webtoons that I've tried and didn't like, and they come back to like two months later and I'm like, oh, it's not so bad. So I'll give it another shot. <laughs> So anywho, so um, we have, okay, so they're like, oh, I want to be a party princess. And then Jean says, sorry, Pops, that's a no-go until you learn how to apply mascara properly. <laughs> Am I right, Belle? And Pops like, oh, go stuff your mouth with eggplant, which may or may not be a reference to Erdine's enjoying herself in other fashions that she likes to enjoy herself. So... <laughs> <laughs> And um, and then the girl in between them laughs, and then she's like, "Finish off, Danny. Bell's on your left." Whatever, same difference. <laughs> just really cute. They're a very I mean, expressive law. I mean, Danny and Bell are exactly are basically the same person, right? I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, I'm, when I read that, I was like, um, "Erdine is basically thinking my thought. Like, whatever, same difference. Like, same. <laughs> yeah, like you said, uh, Ashley." Danny and Mirabelle, they're basically the same. 
at this point, I guess, in the story, it doesn't really matter which one is which. Right. <laughs> and uh, my thought when reading this was like, oh, like, okay, we got to memorize this. Because when, when we first saw them, um, we were introduced to them, but we, were, we didn't know which one was which. So now I'm like, okay, blonde one, Danny. You know, I'm trying to try to remember. The fact that they're Danny and, and Danae, like, it's, it's going to be a little confusing for me. Well, I <laughs> feel like that really is, like, a, a thing in stories anyways. Like, there's always... Um, like the main character girl always has like two best friends that are very like they're different, but they're basically the same person. They're just like that, you know. So, so we see that you know, main character girl has friends. <laughs> like she's not just somebody who does not have friends. She's got <laughs> two of them, but there's not really any substance to, to you know besides two friends that look out for her right and you know it's it, just speaking about like storytelling right there's when you're telling a story you know you you're telling the story of a couple people and like if you add more people and more personalities it gets hard to, to follow and i'll give a testament have any of you ever read middle march no so middle march is um one of the longest works of fiction in the english language like a bazillion pages this is accurate <laughs> and I read the first like 100 pages four times before I was able to keep track of the approximately 100 characters who are introduced in those 100 pages and we all have stories. So nobody there is like the stock cute friend, best friend, you know? Everyone there has a story. The million, it's, at the end of the story, it's very, very satisfying. It's one of my favorite books now, but like I could not keep track of the million characters and the million stories they all had. <laughs> So it's very useful in storytelling to have like the stock character that you recognize. They don't have to put much thought into it. They provide meaning to the story, but like not too much that they get to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that makes sense. So, <laughs> and um, so Poppy then she's like, yeah, this is a real secret wish of mine. And she's looking at her phone. She's like, yeah, I'm pretty excited. And she's tap, tap, tapping. Um, I think Ergene is puzzled because She's thinking, like, was Poppy texting? Like, is that why she's puzzled? That's what I'm guessing. Like, why aren't you looking at me? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then Poppy looks at her, looks at her phone. She's like, huh? And she says, hey, Eugene, I'm going to head for to the uh, meeting room for a bit. It's Mr. Lamb. Which I get. Okay. And then her teen, she probably walks away, and her teen's holding her phone. And I'd rather have told this. I was like, why is she holding her phone? Answered right away. And Erdine's like, damn it, should I tell them? She's thinking to herself. And now we see her phone. And her phone, she is in a group mess- uh, messaging thing. And it says, Project PPC, Mirabel, Danae, and you. And Emily noticed, I did not notice, Emily um, Bass noticed that there's a picture of cherries here. So many people have guessed what PPC stands for. Would you like to guess, y'all? Oh, okay. Um. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I was wondering what that was, and I had several different ideas for it, but that makes sense. Projects, pop, popul- pop, poppy's cherry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Probably. What were your other ideas, Laura? <laughs> well, it sounds so silly now. Um, poppy's pussy crew. <laughs> uh, the same idea, yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poppy for poppy's coochie. Poppy's yeah. private crush. Privates for poppy's cooch. Those are all. <laughs> The same thing and very good. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> the only person who said something different was um, Leslie said she thought it might be protect Poppy's coochie. 
So, <laughs> which is the opposite meaning. Uh, but it doesn't, I mean, based on what the girls say, that's not what they're doing because they're like, you're almost like, I don't know what to do with this girl. At this rate, her coochie's going to grow moldy. And today's like, what? Better moldy coochie. And then jewelry season two, she, uh, she, oh my gosh, is not a hoe laughing my ass off. So, you know, Mirabelle's like, okay, she got to get laid. Danae is like, with the right one. You know, they don't like jewelry. Good, good, yeah. good. So at this point, also, this looks like they texted this after they broke up. So fairly recently, because otherwise it would be like, she got to get rid of jewelry or something like that, you know? Yeah. And now Ardeen has said, ain't that the truth? Narrow City is the shittiest place on earth to be dating in, which is, um, you know, she's said last episode that like, oh, she even tore reminds me of some of the guys that dated. They're charming, but they're nasty. So like, yeah, Ardeen's had had bad experience, bad experiences. You have a better chance of catching chlamydia, chlamydia on a toilet seat than a decent man around here. I want to be honest with you, girls. Like, okay, sorry, Ardine. I'm kind of curious, like, to hear her backstory. You know, what happened? What happened? Who hurt you, Ardine? <laughs> That's why, like, I. I I ship her and uh, and Ronzo because I feel like Ronzo's a real sweet boy who the like good to her so but that's just Sorry, me. That my cat just don't know too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, she might walk across the screen. Let's see. She's just coming up. There oh. she goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, her name is Soren, and she is a delight, but mainly for my children. I mean, I like her obviously, but my children love, love her. So, here we go. <laughs> Hi. I have a very oh. strong policy of, like, no, just no buttons, of not pushing animals or children away from podcasts when they come. So, like, my children have appeared before. It's been audio, so you haven't seen them. But I wonder, now that there's video, you probably will see them. Anyway, so, my non-intervention policy Cats too. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> oh. yeah. Cats and kids always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, know. I, I didn't grow up with any pets, and like my home, I grew up, like I said, very religious, and nobody had any pets. It was like, they were like, ew, gross animals. So um, I don't have this, like, oh, God, I love animals. Like, I, I did like animals a lot as a kid. And now I'm like, oh, she's cute. She's furry. She's soft. Like, she's, she adds to our life, but like, I don't think I have this, like, oh, my God, I love her so much thing that like a lot of people have. Is it like bad to admit that? <laughs> like, no, no. Wow. I I do for my cat, um, but that's probably because um, it, cats actually like they have something um, in their fecal matter that like makes them lo- like makes you love them, <laughs> and it's used. Uh, and then for like it's used for mice. Um, because like if mice smell it, they'll like, you know, not be afraid of the cat, if that makes mm. sense. But for us, it just makes us actually like love them. Um, so that's what I'm convinced why I love my cat so much, but also cause she's pretty cute. But there's also the fact that my mom, who has always been like anti-cat since I was like very young, loves this cat. So... <laughs> But my cat is pretty cute. <laughs> of course. I'm sure she's objectively cuter than all the other cats out there. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, Ardeen, to her credit, says we got to set higher standards for our poppy seat, and this stuff can't be rushed. 
So, you know, it's very cheap. So people, some people were like, you know, why are her friends like butting into her private life and like, what do they care what she does and whether she has sex or not? But first of all, like, I, I don't find this acceptable. Like we, we all have this side to us where we like joke around and like, yeah, like obviously Poppy was like, you know, guys, I really don't like when you like talk about this. They would take her seriously. Like I, I believe that, you know, this, this, this is what girls do or people do with the coast. They joke around they make fun, they push each other. And like, yeah, if you would, <clears throat> you know, they have moments where they talk more seriously, like, well, like this, I don't find this offensive. Well, do do uh, it's funny because, um, so when I was much younger, uh, we, we had this, uh, me and my friend, um, Jamie, I'm not using his real name, but I uh, had a mutual friend, uh, Marty, who was, I hated this guy, but me and him made, me and Jamie made a bet that like by Christmas, Marty was still going to be a virgin, right? Well, Jamie made sure that that wasn't a case. He actually intervened and lost Marty's V card because of this bet. So I lost, I w- I lost the bet because of Jamie. So yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know. Friends do that. Like they intervene with this sort of thing. Um, for whatever reason, it's like I, I've for probably, but like this guy was a douche though, so he need, <laughs> he needed some intervention apparently, because uh, like yeah. Anyway, I won't even get into that because it's a long like a story. story there, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so cool. Well, America, like, they they just want Poppy to be happy. And Erdina is sweet too. Like they just want the best for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, agree. I, I appreciate that Mirabelle and Danae recognize that they're not going to be around physically or really super available for Poppy, even on the phone necessarily, because they're busy apparently being flight attendants. <laughs> um, so, so they're connected with Erdine so that um, Erdine could keep them updated. Right. I thought, I thought that was sweet. Yeah, and we do see by how she responds later, by how they respond, that they are being more respectful. So, like, first, first, Sergene says, she's like, of all the places we stuck between, it had to be a rock and a hard place. I wasn't quite clear what she meant. Like, she's torn between telling them that she's with a, she found a guy and being supportive of Poppy. I think it's because she's got this bad feeling of Torah, despite, like, you know, Poppy reassuring her that, like, yeah, he's not actually that bad, but, like, when you got a bad feeling about somebody and it's, like, your your best friend, essentially, like, you're worried about them, so. My cat just jumped in my lap. Um, oh, <laughs> she's today. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was it, that she wanted to update Mirabelle and Danae about Tora, but, like, was hesitant to do so. Maybe she wanted to tell them about the party coming up. <laughs> right. And, you know, the fact, like, what she says next shows, like, oh, they are cousins. Now I can see. She says, okay, I can't do this, even if they're the only family she's left with. Okay, so now, yeah, there must be our family. Got it. Um, so they also, like, it must be that they told her, like, listen, we're the only family she has left. Like, you have to be protective of her and, like, be informed. 
So yeah, it does come from like a protective place. And you know, Mirabel does admit, like she does say, you know, calm down. She's like, oh, Dean, I'm just clowning around. It's 2 a.m. here in Finkburn. I can't get to sleep. It says, and much as we'd love to see Project PPC completed, we talked to Granny into letting her move to the city, which is like, sounds like Granny's been overprotective. And that old crone's going to have our heads if Poppy gets her heartbroken again, for real. So heartbroken again, I'm thinking refers to jewelry, breaking the breakup with him, the cheating. Either that or maybe like, not just like romantically heartbroken but I think she's been heartbroken by like you know the death of her father and then you know uh what looks like her mother walking out right so that yeah. might be it right good point yeah and then Ergene says like yeah don't worry I'll do my best to take care of her especially since she hasn't had a chance to socialize and it's just her and us right now which is also uh, interesting. She's like, but yeah, they have February. So we know this is taking place in March, right? Because of their birthdays. And when I when we first started the cartoon, I got the impression that right, she says I just moved to the city for this new job. So I was like, oh, it must be September time, right? October or whatever. And but it's March. So first of all, I don't know if like Narrow City follows our traditional, you know, like finish school in May and start a job in September kind of thing. Um, or like, or she's been working already since the beginning of the year of September or whatever, right? Um, I actually think um, it might be so I only know this because I really like Japan stuff so or like Japanese things Um, but they finish school like around in March and then like they start school up again in April so that's like their turnover year so it's more fiscal rather than Mm. uh, like how our school is you know August September Hmm. Okay, so you know what? Maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe that, that, that timing works very well. She just finished school. Just started. That was really was, fresh. I thought she was in the city for like four months at this point, though, when the comic started. Yeah, did we get any? Where did we get that from? I don't remember. <laughs> I think it might have it might have been that like it took some time for her to get a job right out of school, right? Or does it say that she got this job right out of school? Um, you know, it does say like she's like O'Gill was the only one in the city willing to give me a job, so you write maybe that she maybe she did search for a while. Hmm. Okay. Cool questions. <laughs> no, not super essential, but yeah, like I was thinking like, if she's been here since September till March, then, like, she should have, you know, she should be knowing some more people by now. But, yeah, we don't know the timing. <laughs> so, <clears throat> today's, like, counting on you, sis. We're out of the country way too much to be you, so take care of our baby girl for us! <laughs> They're very cute. And the men thought that Ergie's like, oh, sorry, ladies, can't be a snitch, but I promise I'll do my best to keep my eye out for your baby girl. So, I'm just... So does she sense that like Poppy doesn't want her cousins to know about her about her and Tora? Um I think maybe it's just a case of like she hasn't quite told anybody about that. Like she just had her heart broken, right? Mm-hmm. By uh, the whole thing with um with jewelry, right? So like and this is really so new and they're not even official yet, right? Uh, like, Tora and her, yeah, they've kissed, but, like, they she haven't quite, that. yeah, they haven't quite said, like, oh, yeah, we're dating, 
we're official. So she's <laughs> probably like, she probably doesn't really want to tell anybody unless it does get a bit serious. Then, you know, a few kisses here and there. <laughs> right. Um, and then Patty was pointing out how, like, Erdean really did a good job of being respectful of Poppy, right? So both with this, let's say, and also in, in respecting her opinion about Torah. So, you know, a lot of people were mad at Erdean last week, so now there's a positive. And can, lots of positive things um, that Erdean does to counteract her, you know, behavior last week. Anyway, so this next part answers a, a plot question that I had, so I'm grateful for it. Because Patty, Patty, Poppy, <laughs> I know Patty loves me part of the cartoon, but it's <laughs> Poppy. Poppy says, this is so strange, and she's looking at her phone, and she says, why was Mr. Lamb trying to get in touch with Quincy? Because she has a conversation with Mr. Lamb. What is his avatar, by the way? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. You're right. It looks like um, a little kid or a person. Maybe it's his wife. Like, we don't see the face. Maybe it's his wife. Yeah, it might be. Okay. I mean, you know, really drew it. It must be something. It's not like we're seeing things. Everything really does. It's important and significant. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, hi, Mr. Lamb. Oh, she, said, she tells him, hi, Mr. Lamb. Project is underway, which is nice, right? Poppy's being professional. She's updating him. And he says, thank you for the update, Miss Poppy. All that trouble I went through to get in touch with Mr. Miyoko via those two con artists when I could have turned to you instead. So I was like, finally, I was like, I always wondered why did Mr. Lamb go with those guys? Like, what did they say? And then later he says, oh, they had those two had something very important to me. So I was like, they knew about Mr. Lamb. So apparently they did, right? Like, I guess they are not dumb and they did their research. Here's the thing, though. Remember at the restaurant? Yeah. You probably have the same question. It seems to me like they were sitting there in a restaurant and they were like, oh, that old man is like, keep keeping bragging. They don't think they knew who Mr. Lamb was then. Like, yeah. how would they, Poppy seems like she did extensive research to get to that interview because Mr. Lamb was like, oh, how do you find that? And, you know, Poppy was like really doing serious work. So how did they know? Did I think Mr. Mr. Lamb's obviously been, because he was like, probably putting the word out there not through poppy right Mm -hmm. that like that he needed to get in contact with this very elusive um like writer and then also the fact that he had all of this information about quincy like on his own despite the fact that he didn't um like it's not well known that quincy is a writer and he's you know, it, not that he's, like, keeping himself, uh, like, a secret, but he doesn't, he has a pen name for a reason, and, like, his public, his old publisher didn't even know who he really was, right? So, I, I feel like Mr. Lamb has more connections than we think uh, yeah. because of money. Right. Right, I was trying to figure out how Sharsh and his associate, because we don't have the other guy's name, how they knew, like, after that first meeting in the restaurant, they're like, oh, let's grab him, and they took him, take him and talk to him right away. But maybe, maybe it does have to do with the fact that, like, Mr. Lamb was trying to find Cuban Yoko, and they heard about it, because they know Quincy from the volume plan. Maybe they were like, oh, this is the guy, Mr. Lamb was trying to find Quincy. Maybe. 
So, and this was like kind of what Poppy's talking about. She's like, through those two? And then, you know, he's like, she said, why would, I'm sorry, what do you mean? Why would Mr. Yoko have any affiliation with those two? And he's like, Mr. Yoko, I never told you about it. They claimed to be close associates with Mr. Yoko. They gave me information about Mr. Yoko that I verified to be authentic, which is like what you were saying, Ashlyn. It sounds like he has his own network of, you know, information. They even had a video call with him. We hung up before um, I had a chance to speak with him. But each time we arranged for a meeting, Mr. Yoko never showed up. Mm -hmm. So they're cleverer than we give them credit for. It was like to think of, at least I would hope, they like to think of bad guys as being dumb so that they can be easily overcome, but uh -huh, they're smart. I love that Quincy hung up on when he saw it was them calling. Oh, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> Good boy. I, I feel like Quincy does not like the whole thing, like anything that has to do with uh, his father's business. Just yeah. doesn't like to be involved with any of that. So we see a little mm -hmm. bit more of that at the end of the chapter too. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you know, sadly, I don't want to risk pursuing the matter given the ties with the Bali organization. And you know, Poppy said, "I'm sorry to hear about that, Mr. Lamb. But you're safe now. That's all that matters. You absolutely right, Miss Poppy." So, and we're here, Poppy, thinking, she's like, I haven't thought about this incident in a long time, but it still makes me angry, thinking of how we're going to harm an innocent old man, and she has this very angry look on her face, which is like, oh, go, first of all, it's like, go you, Poppy, and it's also, like, very, like, it's not naive, but it's like, you know, someone like Tor is like, whatever, you know, I'll get into it. You know, to him, he would be experienced with that, but she's still getting angry about it, because it's like this youthful righteous indignation of like how could they which is obviously like the correct attitude but people who are more blessed it's like yeah whatever but they wouldn't often you know it would write it would be more used to it <clears throat> and so you know she says she thought i thought those men were master manipulators or skilled common but it also makes um it says they might have come across mr lamb's interview about this is my final wish use it to segue to gain his trust and his affection and then you have again that picture charge with the like look and the other associate who we don't know his name yet and he's like but that doesn't explain how they fabricated a connection with Kubu Nyoko couldn't have been through Torah could it Kubu Nyoko that's the name registered on Quincy's identification card but why would Torah get Quincy involved they just keep on with them Kubu and then she's half half you know Poppy's doing her detective work and then she's not done less wait so Quincy is your boss's son which when she's remembering their um, Regina's peak thing and she's like, oh, sorry, the question's off. Let me know we finish the story or not. So first of all, by the way, y'all, what do you notice about that panel? I cracked up when I noticed Tora's boat shoes were all blurred out. Is that what you're referring to? Yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, because like everybody was saying about the boat shoes and how much they hated them right? So I think that this is, po or not Poppy, uh, Lily's way of saying, well, I don't want you guys to ever look at those again. Lily, <laughs> it's fine. It was a fine fashion choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't bothered by it, but like, there were people out there that were like, those are the ugliest shoes I'd ever seen. And I'm sure that I must have said that because I think I was on one of those episodes. So I don't know if I said something about it, but it wasn't that bad. So. It was very out of character for Tora. His whole outfit was just out mm -hmm. of character. It's true. So. He, he looked very preppy. <laughs> it's cute. It's fine. Like, you know, 
would Quincy approve, would Quincy not approve? We'll find out next time we see our MPL fashion edition. <laughs> the, the way I feel, I feel like Quincy picked out those clothes. <laughs> Tori didn't pick out those clothes. But I yeah. digress. <laughs> anyway, it's hilarious and a horrible one and very, very funny. <laughs> and Poppy's like mind is turning and she's putting together all the dots and she's like unless Quincy goes in too and then she's clearly searching something up and she's like please 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 I'm searching please let me be wrong about this and she searched Quinston B and now we don't see what she sees yet we just see her running you know going out of the office and standing there from a distance and saying Quincy can I have a word with both of you and she's like, sure, what's up, Miss Editor? All perky and like, nothing's going to happen now, is it? <laughs> but Tora, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Tora is much more alert than Quincy is. Quincy's like, this is going to be great. And Tora already understands what's going to happen. And she's like, over outside. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's bolded. So like, you know that she means business. I'm surprised that she didn't have like her her look like her serious look at that moment <laughs> but right we would have loved that well and Quincy is still like either pretending he's not nervous or genuinely fooling himself I don't know he's like, but of course smile smile and but Tora is quite alarmed separate face just for Tora and his alarmedness and his little sweat mark yeah, and even Jacob has a sweat mark because he's like, what is going on? Yep. And the next scene we have, we see this, we know just the picture of the building and giant letters coming out from the building, which means it's like really loud. Why didn't anyone tell me? Thank you, Bobby. And Tora correctly says, correctly, correctly says, tried to tell you that they had bug runs. And like, yes, he did. <laughs> and you know, they're they're the two of them are sitting there, their posture, of course. Like we we've been blessed with that posture and we love it. You know, Tora is turned away from her, his hands are, you know, on his knees, they're both lying down, Quincy's hands are in his lap, he's looking down, they both look like they're scolded school children mm-hmm. they have quite I, a lot of people like that and you also can't see Tora's eyes at this moment so I feel like it's almost a way of like portraying that you know he's ashamed of this that she found out on her own I think it I mean I think it would be a lot of things I think emotions he's experiencing that and the fact that like he feels like he endangered her you know like getting to know her period right mm-hmm. and you know like now that she's finally facing up to the reality of what's the situation that she's in like he's like i put you into this uh, you know the thing he was trying to avoid so i think that's also a big thing for him and uh you know being redressed by the person he likes nobody nobody likes that um and <laughs> You know, we had um, we had people like commenting like bubble baths and books commenting on Patreon. She was like, "When's the last time somebody scolded Torah and got away from it? Got away with it?" Mm-hmm. And um, something interesting she also said, besides for uh, no, Roxanne said this that maybe another reason Torah could be keeping his head down, besides for being ashamed for himself, is that 
um, you know, maybe understands how people this is for Quincy, and like he doesn't want to like the eye, eye contact with Quincy as well because it's hard for him to. Don't want to embarrass him further. Yeah, because um, Quincy's like looking down as well, like like you said, like a scold, scolded schoolboy, right? Right. I would say something interesting. I know actually you were saying earlier that it's like um like a comic book trope to have like the, the cute, you know, the cute best friends. Um she was saying that Lily is over overriding this uh trope because here it's a girl um scolding the boys rather than the opposite way. So I haven't read enough comic books really, I guess, but is that something that happens where like the boy scolds the girl? Um not that I've noticed. Um yeah, I I haven't really ever seen like a a boy scolding a girl for doing something or whatever. I mean, it's always been kind of a mutual like a mutual thing that I guess in Sonjo manga or whatever, right? Um but what I did like about this is that Poppy figured it out on her own because there is a lot of comics that kind of just play dumb. And, like, the one character doesn't figure it out until, like, way later. And, like, Poppy's not an idiot. Like, you can't even make her, you know, pretend to be dumb. Because she is smart and she figures things out real quick. And this is, like, one of those moments. Like, she figured it out pretty quick considering. Mm -hmm. I was surprised, honestly, that Poppy didn't put it together sooner. Like, Mm. um after after the restaurant good runs um because she clearly picked up the fact that Tora works in the mafia and then at the restaurant um quincy said oh he's not in the mafia that's a lie but he's my bodyguard which is the truth mm-hmm. um and then if poppy could realize that Tora was in the mafia but he's also quincy's bodyguard and then in the flashback at, at uh, regina's peak um, that was when she called him Quincy the baby thug. So I guess she's just now putting it all together, but I was surprised that it, like, didn't click a little sooner. But I mean, I guess a lot of it happened. Right. And also, what else was that that also wasn't a clue where, you know, he tore up told her, he's like, oh, you don't know who he is, you don't know who he got yourself, what you got him into. But I guess I could see, first of all, the fact that, like, we're the readers, right? So we have the luxury of not only you know, getting it from every perspective. We have the luxury of like sitting and mellowing in it, you know, and not not listening, marinating in it like for like 50 weeks <laughs> and like, you know, processing it and making podcasts about it and reading a million comments and theories about it. So like Poppy is, this is like two weeks of like a very jam-packed two weeks for her. She has a lot of emotional things going on, you know, cheating boyfriend, new love interest, which she denies, uh, you know, new city, successful presentation so like she doesn't have time to sit and think things through you know besides for the fact that we just know everything already because we know like we have a lot of time (laughs) and yes we devote a lot of time to this (laughs) yeah that's a good point but i also really love that um when poppy does figure it out she doesn't stew she doesn't like avoid them she immediately goes to them and directly confronts them about it that's really smart yeah yeah I didn't think about that. Right. You know, right. We say Poppy like has softer emotions, but this is really good for her that she's confronting them right away. 
what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it shows just like how threatened she feels about this new information that she can't, she can't put it off. She can't push it down. And she's super mature and level-headed throughout this whole scene. Um, so Tora's like, I tried to tell you that they had good friends, but did you listen? Nope. You just went on and on and on about your stupid presentation. And she takes a beat. She lets that sink in. She realizes he's upset. He's frustrated. He did try to tell me. I'm not going to react. <laughs> I'm not going to go off on him for calling my presentation stupid. Yeah. And she says, I appreciate that. And I would have listened if you hadn't started yelling at me. And it wasn't just a stupid presentation. It's my career, my livelihood, and many hours of hard work and sleepless nights. So she's being super mature right here. Like she, she does say that she appreciates it. Um, she points out that Tora's way of trying to tell her was what turned her off. Like it's not appropriate to yell. Um, and so, and then she also addresses in the moment, it's not appropriate to name names, like to call people names or to call things names. It's not appropriate to call my presentation stupid. Oh, yeah, I think that's really true. Like she's both, I mean, Patty was saying also, she's both not letting him get away with it, but she's also giving him space to feel his anxiety. Like she understands that it's that he's experiencing a lot of distress. And yeah, she's giving him, she's not, she's not falling into the cycle of reaction. Like they did it, the way that they acted at government was a cycle of like hurting each other because they're both being very reactive and emotional. You're right, here it's not, she's being very mature and not making mm -hmm. things escalate. Well, I mean, she, she straight up says, like, you don't have to look me in the eye, but you could at least sit facing me because I'm trying to have a serious conversation uh, with you guys. And that's when, like, the two of... Because the entire time we see that, you know, Tora's head's down and, um, and Quincy's, like, looking at his feet. And it's kind of that moment where, like, they both look up right and yeah that's uh, i think i think that's also what patty was saying is that like somebody i think it was patty that yeah that that's very mature but she's making him she's making him like asking them to look her to to look in her direction but she understands that she can't push them too far because it is very tough to to face someone in the eye after you're very embarrassed like that mm -hmm. that's very understanding of Bobby. and you know, Quincy here is like, uh oh, and somebody was pointing out how he's like, gosh, who was it? Oh no, they correctly quoted that. Um, you know, he's like finally being what to ask, and you know, maybe that's something he's not used to doing. And you know, Quincy has shown himself to be very avoidant of conflict in general, almost wanting to smooth things over. So here he's re recognizing that he can't get away with like being cutesy and making things better. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Quincy always has that like when he does get in trouble per se I feel like he's the type of person who kind of has that like deer in a headlights look like like I'm not doing anything bad if I just stand here and frozen then like maybe it'll all just go away yep. <clears throat> so yeah and he even tells stories like looks like she's mad at us for real this time and Tora is like, uh, shut up and answer her question, you fuck with. This is all your fucking fault. So, and he's not looking at Quincy again. No, he's looking down again. And, you know, he's crossed his hands over his chest in a very defensive position. And, you know, he is mad at Quincy because 
since he's the guy who signed the contract without looking and both of the birthday party is like, yes, we're now going to be editors. So, and, you know, the thing that Tor didn't want when season one so he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, because Quincy is trying to at least share the blame with Tora right there. He's like, oh, Tora, do something. Uh-oh, looks like she's mad at us for real, but Tora's not having it. Yeah. Answer the question! Mm-hmm. And I was like, what question? But I think the question is, why didn't anyone tell me? Right. Happy to the question, yeah. He's like, oh, uh, me? And she's like, please, Mr. Botman. <laughs> Like, and with this angry look on her face, you know, you know, pressing up to who you are. And now we go back to that scene where she was Googling and you see her hands shaking and she Googles Quispin B. And we have several results, which are <laughs> slightly entertaining. Quispin Belly Dancing Academy. Quispin Baby Boutique. Quispin Baltimore. So y'all, do we have any bets on does Quispin have a belly dancing academy? I have to career. say, hilarious that he's the number three choice on there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quincy, you know, yeah, he should be number one, whatever he does. But maybe he is number one. In, In our hearts. Writer, he's a belly dancing instructor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Baby Boutique. I can see him doing that too. He'd be like, oh my God, that's so cute. Yeah, baby has, you know, you have to put blue on this one or just a hat for the truth of adorable. Seem doing that too. <laughs> Cute. Uh, so yeah, this episode is just hilarious. We talked to bottom. But anyway, the oh God, this is why I wanted on my phone. I literally can't believe this. So we have here um, the results, which has generated a lot of speculation because famous families of Narrow and Baltimore, the Narrow Records.org, famous families Baltimore. The Baltimore family has been in a position of great wealth and power since the late 18th century. And then we have the next link, royal lineage in, in Niren, Baltimore family. Yvonne Baltimore II was bestowed the title of Baron by one of the last monarchs of Niren, King Salman, who was overthrown and sent to exile by... Oh, oh, oh. I suspect these are major plot points. So you guys, go ahead with your theories. Um, I actually don't have a theory, but... um. It's all tied in with uh, Asherah's bride. Oh. They're, they're, I'm going to have to like re, like go and like re, uh, reread, um, reread it. But uh, one of those advisor characters, probably there's some lineage there. Mm, Okay. And I was wondering if, um, because it says, the last monarch, so King Sagan was the last monarch who was overthrown and sent into exile. So is that when the Baltimore gang like started? Is that when this mafia stuff, is this how it originated and how they accumulated all that wealth and shadow business? Mm-hmm. And we know that Torah is a descendant of King Ulan. So some people, okay, I have a whole page of theories here. I've got her, I can't read what I wrote. Um, Gosh. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't remember. I cannot read what I wrote. I don't know who quoted this, said this, but like somebody said um, that, well, you know, the Torah is the descendant of King Ulan. And 
did Vincent know that when he chose him as a um, as a as a person, right? So we know that. Oh gosh, this is definitely I definitely want to quote this because this is a very hefty theory. So this is okay. B. Lester said this. Do you remember when Clyde and um, Claude, sorry, Claude and Chima were in the in the club, and Claude was like, "Oh, do you really think someone of his caliber would be your bodyguard?" Right? And we all thought we're like, "Okay, that means Tora is real smart, right?" Like or something like that. And then they had this like conversation where that was blocked out, and it wasn't a very long conversation. I always thought like, "It's like, oh, maybe they're talking about how we trained him and how it was so crazy," but it was very short. And I was like, "Okay, it kind of seemed too short to say that." Maybe Claude was uh, Shima was telling Claude. That Torah is a descendant of King Ulan, which would explain very, very well, like, you know, okay, that's why he's not just a woman bodyguard. And maybe Vincent, in some sicker way, like, wants to, you know, assert the Baltimore dominance over the royal clan, right? Maybe the Baltimore clan was involved in getting this, you know, King Sagan overthrown. <clears throat> um, no. Well, maybe, right? Maybe after this, Ivan was given the title of Baron, he then, he or someone in his family then was involved in overthrowing the Tzadon. You know, it's like this whole intrigue of like, who's going to have power in Marin. And anywho, and it would make sense if Vincent would want to be like, okay, you know, this is the descendant of the royal family. I'm going to put him down. He's going to be my dog. I thought that was genius. There's also too the case of if you like read Ashra's Bride, um, like there is a we don't really see it in this comic per se but there is like kind of a mystic sort of you know side uh thing where like the descendants of that royal family like the royal bloodline get like this power from i forget exactly where but it's almost like a a beast like power right so maybe that's like a sort of myth that is in like a mythology, right? So, and, and there's also like the color of the eyes because not a lot of people have dark hair and gold eyes. So maybe Vincent saw this and went, ah, that has to be some sort of descendant. Perhaps it has this like mystic, you know, power, right? And he wanted to use it for his like own self. Mm. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, maybe that's why he was so concerned about keeping his bloodline pure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which actually relates to some more theories that are going to come up in a second. But also, if you remember another another clue that like Vincent maybe, if, if according to the theory that Vincent knew that he was from um, Ulan, is if you remember, there's a couple times where like Martin's like, well, I don't know why he chose you from everybody else. You know, why you choose this front? So that might be another indication, meaning that there's something, some special knowledge that Vincent had as Torah. Mm-hmm. Not just a random kid picked up off the streets. Besides the, the dark aura that he sensed, which I think that's very that's definitely there. But maybe it was something beyond the dark aura. Which makes me really wonder what happened to Torah's um, first family. Why was he on the streets? Yeah. Where were his biological parents? Mm-hmm. Actually, I think... Um, Patty also had this, this speculation about it. She says, in all seriousness, it makes me wonder what the relationship was like between the Yeks uh, and the Baltimans. Okay, I don't know why the Yeks. Yeah, is that the 
maybe it's a typo. But anyway, between, I guess, the, the royal family and Bonnemans, perhaps they were close at one point, hence why King Sangam made Ivan the Baron, or is it a Rasputin like insidious coup? And it also begs the question is any of this indicative of the Bobbyman government? Were they once good turned evil? Perhaps Vincent is a bad seed, or is this generations of ruthless rule of the narrative? Could see the anomaly, anomaly of the Baltimore bloodline or its true nature. And what will this mean for Tor and Quincy when they discover the truth of the lineage? I thought those were also good speculations. There's a lot here. It's definitely very plot heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to have a little bit more about the, the, the descendant stuff in a second because <clears throat> now Poppy says, she's like, unless this information is top secret, that um, that could get me or the people around me in serious trouble if we knew. You know, she's she's continuing her question to Quincy. Quincy, trying again with this smile to avoid answering things. It's like <laughs> smile, sweat. It's like just Quincy will do honestly, right? As one behold, Mister Bobbyman. And again, which I get it, like he doesn't want to be associated with this. This is something he's always not wanted, right? His whole wanting to strike out on his own as a, as a romance writer and not as like the heir apparent. You know, he doesn't want to be associated with that. <laughs> and, you know, Papa doesn't let him get away with it. She stares. She's like, you got to answer me. And, you know, major sweat on Quincy's part now that those lines, like you said, right? Mafia clan. So actually, apparently, 
something that, that plans, you know, this is like, I think, followed, like if you follow any, you know, whether it's tribes, whether it's royalty in Europe, like they, to solve wars, they usually send their kids to marry each other. So yeah. clans, I think, would follow that same principle. And, you know, he confirms, right? Papa's like, two the clans, not one, but two. And he says, paternal and maternal. And now this generates a whole other speculative thing. So many people thought that, like, okay, Poppy's mom is, honestly, just because that one picture of her with the resting fish face, we saw, like, okay, Poppy's mom is in the clan. You know, Poppy's mom is, like, mafia-related, right? And the fact that she disappeared when Poppy was a kid. So now we're like, are Pop so many people are like, are Poppy and Quincy related? Is Poppy's mom um, Quincy's mom? Are these half-siblings? Is Poppy's mom um, Vincent's sister? Which is the theory that we have this one. Um, yeah, Emily Williams had that and Sealand. I can't remember, I can't remember what I wrote, but somebody, you know, was thinking that um, Natasha thought maybe her mom and Quincy's mom are sisters. Maybe it's not like, you know, Poppy's mom and Vincent's, Poppy's mom and Quincy's mom. Whatever the case is, what do you guys think? Do you think they're related? I don't think that they're related, but I think, like, not related, like, brother and sister or whatever, like, half-brother and sister, but I think that there is some sort of, like, relation uh, there, whether it's like, you know, cousins or whatever. Um, because uh, not that they like look like one another, but it would just make like way more sense and it would like be a thing. I don't know that it, like it, especially with, um, what like was said at the beginning of like how all the dots kind of connect to one another. And I feel like that's just, you know, one of the dots all connecting, you know, uh, together as one. But. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. If, if, if this is that kind of story, then it would make sense that things are going to be connected. Mm-hmm. Oof, so exciting. I actually had something like this in my own life, which was the weirdest thing. So y'all want to hear like a two minute story of like all the dots are connected and people being connected in familial ways I did not think of? Sure. Okay. So uh, growing up, I had a best friend and, you know, because you get to know people, you get to know their families as well. And I would sit there looking at her, her albums of like family weddings. And there was this guy, this blonde guy. And she's like, oh yeah, that's my uncle. I never met the uncle in my life. I met a lot of her cousins and but I never met this uncle. She's like, yes, my uncle. Yeah, he's kind of like, moved from the family, got divorced, his uh, son is adopted, and, you know, I don't see him that much, and he doesn't hang out with him as much. Okay, fine. Literally, when I was, like, 14. Years later, I'm, like, 25, um, and my husband and I become really good friends with someone who's currently one of our best friends, um, like, a couple years, you know, like, six years later. Anyway, we become really good friends with him, and this guy has this very kind of tragic story, his mom uh, was married to this guy. Very bad, let's just say very, very bad relationship. And, um, and she had a kid with him. And then she met a hairdresser and she had him, our friend, with a hairdresser. They got divorced. It was a whole scandal. He never, he never, he doesn't know his father. His mother he had a crazy relationship with his mother. Very messed up situation on many, many, many levels. Anyway, fine. Sitting there, right? Years later, um, 
like after we know our friend for a couple of years already, how did I get to know this? He mentions that his, that his, his half-brother from his mother's marriage with the, the guy that is not his father is adopted. And we're like, one minute. I was like, your last name is the same last name as my friend's uncle. It's like, what? And then I, I think I called my friend or, or I confirmed with him. Anyway, basically my best friend from childhood's uncle is that our current really good friend's not dad. <laughs> the guy who should have been his dad but wasn't his dad, right? And I was like, oh my God, this is like such a thing of worlds colliding. And I just blew my mind. And anyway, it's just crazy. <laughs> Sounds like it, my goodness. Yeah. I wonder if Lily has something similar like that in mind for um, Quincy and Poppy. I don't know if they're related. Maybe they're related in the fact that Poppy's mom is involved in the same mafia that Quincy's mom is involved in. Um, maybe they're not like blood related, but maybe that's their connection that they didn't know. Um, and I wonder, I mean, we only know the, the only other clan we know in the story is the Nine Daggers clan. Um, there's probably more. We just know the Bossman one and the Nine Daggers one at this point. Um, but I wonder if that's the other one that Quincy belongs to, that, his, that is his mom's clan. And I wonder if that's why Vincent got so personally offended when um, he felt like they were attacking him and why he took it so personally. And I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I feel like it was probably an arranged marriage of some sort and like they are definitely not together anymore. Because I feel like Vincent would be a little bit of a womanizer. And by that, I mean a huge womanizer. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of arranged marriage, Tatiana Olevsky had this really cool theory. She was like, going on the theory that if um, Papa's mom and Quincy's mom are the same person, she's like, what if Quincy's uh, mom had this arranged marriage with Vincent? She was miserable. She hated him. She had a baby. She had Quincy. And Quincy was a lot like Vincent, right? And what if she was just so miserable and so unhappy and all Quincy did was remind her of her husband who she hated so much and she goes to the countryside, meets Poppy's dad, falls in love, you know, a nice guy finally has Poppy and like basically abandons baby Quincy because he just reminds her of like this whole horrible life that she was in. And then she has Poppy and then she was, she had this theory for like, you know, people were like, oh, but why would Poppy, um, why would she stay with Poppy for so long and then leave her in the middle? She had this theory. It was kind of an interesting theory. I'm not gonna say I, this is necessarily as good as the first part. But where she was like, what if, um, you know, there was something happened when she was, you know, already probably was a little older that like Vincent sends one kind of warning, maybe in the form of a, <laughs> a little far-fetched, I'm not even going to bother saying it, but I think it's a little embarrassing. But like, whatever. She, some, that Vincent sent a warning to Poppy's mom, and that's why she ran away when she was, you know, um, Poppy was a girl, you know, to protect her from, you know, further abuse from Vincent, possible retaliation or revenge or something. But, um, but anyway, I thought that might be good, like, for, because, the you know, why she would want to leave, maybe Quincy, and how she would find him, you know, because they're pretty close in age, right? They're only maybe a couple years apart. Anywho. Well, yeah, I mean, like, they could be, uh, like, it's, because it's, like, what, five years, right? So, I mean, you know, who's to say that isn't true that, and, and we already know that um, Poppy's mom is flighty. And you know, runs away when, 
when she feels like or whatever, right? Like, we don't know the whole story, obviously. So who's to say that, like, she didn't do that once and then ended up doing it twice, right? Right. Or uh, maybe, you know, we've been thinking, oh, she, she's sliding, but maybe she did it to protect Poppy and her father. That too. And yeah, there's five years difference between Poppy and Torah, but Quincy's a couple of years younger than Torah. So either he's Poppy's age or he's a little, maybe a little older. But, you know, we see like when Torah's a teenager, like Quincy's younger. Oh, yeah, that's true. Definitely a ton of awesome speculations. <laughs> um, and we know we know that Quincy is um, Vincent's son, and Vincent is the head of the Bachman organization. We don't know <coughs> what Quincy's relation is in his maternal mafia gang. My assumption at first was that um, his mom was the head of the gang, the other one, but he doesn't say that. He just says he was born into two powerful mafia clans. So mm-hmm. I don't know because if if um, his mom was Poppy's mom and she just like took off for years at a time, how could she run the gang? Mm-hmm. But maybe she wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she was so good at what she did that she was able to do it while living in the right? yeah. cover. And that would explain why Poppy's dad was so wary when that white band came and he acted like so freaked out in the tree. He's like, oh, that's down, blah, blah, blah. So maybe he... No, maybe she was doing crime business while she was with him in Moonbright, and he knew that the white band was a mafia thing, even though they were just teenagers hanging out. But something, yeah, something, something. Ah, okay. Um, so now she, Bobby says this very cute line. She's like, Oh, by the way, so yeah, Quincy here is like, he's like, Oh, paternal and maternal. I'm not a fan, but there's pretty much no escaping who I am. And like the look that he has here, um, Patty was like, you know, he looks defeated. He's like, please don't hate me. I'm not like them. You know, it's very clear that he doesn't, he doesn't like that. He doesn't want to be associated with them. Yeah. And Poppy is like, she says her like fudge biscuit line. She's like, holy shit, stocking mushrooms. <laughs> so cute. And she's like, um, and so then she's thinking, and this was how I learned two wolves into a lair full of sheep. So, you know, she's feeling guilty that, like, she brought these dangerous guys to her work and, you know, with innocent people. So, first of all, we have uh, some interesting things about here. Somebody was uh, saying the fact that she says, um, was, you know, this was how I learned them into um, a thing full of sheep. She read it that maybe this is like, Kind of like, you know, how in the beginning Poppy's like, oh, everything's all connected. And this is Poppy recounting the story, you know, later on. I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. Um, yeah. I think it's just, oh, here, it was Alyssa Peroni. I think you said that. Um, I think it's just that, you know, she learned them in like now, like the, the past now, you know. <laughs> but I will say, Peg said this fantastic line. She's like, if Gil's a sheep, he's a shady sheep, and technically it's a room full of sheep and one lamb. Mm. So, as a Mr. Lamb. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was cute. Um, and then they come up with a bunch of one-liners. Midnight Poppy Line one-liners were fantastic and really, really funny. So, oh, 
the written one, and it was because I'm actually able to read now, like technically well. Um, do you know, um, right, the fact that Torah heard the whispers in the, in the beginning, and he was like able to hear them, that means he probably heard the whispers before as well. Like he would, this was um, sign zero zero said this. Um, he definitely was able to hear that talking about him. <laughs> Oh, 100%. I think, uh, I think he, he has, he's very perceptive and, uh, can hear things quite well. So. Yeah. And maybe Quincy wouldn't pay attention to it, but he definitely would. He's been trained to pay attention to stuff like that. Right. Quincy was surprised. He's like, oh my God, you remind me of it, right? But like, you know, it was either like really good body reading, body language reading, but also like just good hearing. So let me try to make sure like I got everything. Oh, Alyssa Ferroni was actually also she also said that she thinks Poppy, based on how she handled this, Poppy might be able to navigate her way very well in the mafia world. What do you think of that? Um it's a good question. I, I think that she could like navigate her way. I honestly I think Poppy um, is one of those people that kind of like takes what comes to her in stride uh, and would be able to, you know, take this world of the mafia. I think at this point we kind of see her as um, still being an innocent in this, but we've also seen this other side of her where she's very determined and there is like a toughness and how she's able to, you know, take things on like, like right ahead and charge right into it. So I I think that she could absolutely navigate it there. Do I want her to do that? Probably not. I don't know. It seems dangerous, but maybe that's just because I personally wouldn't, but yeah. Maybe she would navigate it like Quincy does. Like, he does when he feels like he has to, or he's like defending his honor, but he hates it. And so mm-hmm. it's an act for him. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe Poppy will just be very involved in getting Tora out. I think she will be using her innocent, cute girl demeanor and with her smarts underneath and her detective work underneath to help Tora out and to help him maybe take down the plan or something. I can say that. Speaking of plan, so. Stevia, 87, I think. She was saying maybe that's why Tora, uh, Quincy has two tattoos. The fact that he's the tattoo from two, um, <clears throat> two plants, maybe that's why he has two Bollywood crests on him. Even though they're both Bollywood crests, maybe that's the reason he has two, somehow. And also, maybe like the pin, who was saying this? I don't know who said this, but the pin, um, the fact that it's so similar to the Bollywood crest plan. Maybe it's like the other clan. Maybe it's some kind of like related clan or something. And that's why they marry each other. And that's why there's clan and symbol is so similar. Hmm. Who is it that's going to quote this correctly? Yeah, I guess that would make sense why Quincy would have two tattoos. One over his chest, maybe that's for the Bopulin, um clan. And then the one on his arm. Maybe if he's not like the direct heir or like the the son of the clan leader maybe it's like 
I don't know what the arm would be, <laughs> a different part of the clan rather than being the direct. Yeah. The hand, you know, the right hand man kind of of the clan. You know? mm -hmm. um, the one who said that was actually Korea, Megal, Desiris, Martinez. So she was the one who said that the pin maybe is like the, the other clan, the close, etc. Ooh. And that maybe Poppy's mom and instead of sibling, or, you know, that's what's a pin is from Poppy's mom. And like she's like the sister clan or something, or maybe it's the wife. Karite. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you guys say about the whole episode as a whole? I really enjoyed this one. Um, I found it very entertaining. Um, like, not only do we get a huge amount of humor, right, um, but we also get a little bit more information about like how this you know, um, like puzzle is being put together. Uh, of course, now we have way more questions, but <laughs> in time we will get all of the little pieces and all of the dots will connect. So it's just, it's all slowly trickling in, which uh, I think that's why I like it so much, you know. Yeah, this part, besides for all the, the love, there's some mystery going on. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this chapter was, whew, it was all over the place. Not all over the place in a bad way, but like such an emotional roller coaster. Um, there was so much like cuteness and laughter and like lightheartedness, but then it ends on such um, this huge revelation about Quincy. And um, I I really like the ending. And this was how I lured two wolves into a lair of sheep. Because it says a lot about how Poppy is feeling about Tora and Quincy and about how she's feeling about um, her new working relationship with Quincy and her apprehension and guilt and distrust and vulnerability, maybe a sense of betrayal. And there's just so much there to really dive into next time in the next chapter. I'm really looking forward to the next chapter. I mean, I yeah. every week. Every week I am, but I'm like, what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm so excited that there that things are out in the open. You know, um, it could have taken like some. I think the top of Tim Common was like it could have taken forever for her to get to this point. You know, she was glad that it hadn't dragged out like for forever. But this is like you know we value we want them to know each other really, right? The fact that when Tora dropped that bomb, he's like I'm in the mafia, so we were like oh my god, right? But for them, besides for the whole love story to develop, like this is you know, getting into, like, the meat of the story, and, yes, and, like, they're going to be honest with each other, and they know who they really are, like, before that, they're dancing around it, and, you know, they're judging by superficial, you know, they're making assumptions, but, like, now it's real, and now, I think, also for Poppy to be with Tora, she has to make an informed decision, and, you know, now she has full information, and, I mean, she's going to be getting full information, um, she apparently knew before because she went to that apartment. She was like, oh, this is what it's like being in Latvia. So even then she like, it seems like she remembered it from the then. But like, hopefully this will be the start of the conversation because they didn't talk, you know, when she was at his apartment, they talked about like, she got angry at him and she talked about how she was upset at him. She didn't, they didn't get into the mafia part, you know, which they need to. So I'm hoping this conversation will segue into that. I think too, it's probably a little bit of like her denying what um what she knows to be the truth right because 
you know, she really likes, she really likes Tora, right? But, you know, I mean, he obviously lives this pretty dangerous lifestyle. And uh, she, I, I don't know, I'd be pretty apprehensive about what to do in this situation. So that's probably where she's at. And then, you know, finally, all of that information is like, you know, put out there that, oh, yeah, actually, he is in the mafia. So what to do now? Mm-hmm. So exciting. Yeah. Well, we shall have to wait until next week, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Four whole days away. Actually, the fact that we're doing this so late at night, it's three and a half whole days away. Three and three quarters whole days away. So, <laughs> Not too far. Yes, we can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. And thank you, Laura, for coming on last minute. And thank you, Jonathan, for coming out again. No and problem. yeah, it was fantastic doing the episode with you. And I'm so excited. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having us. Thanks for having me and Laura. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome. I'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.